and amen. Here comes heaven. Can you imagine if that's what they were singing when Jesus was born? Can you imagine what they'll be singing when he comes again? Here comes heaven. Here comes heaven. I'm so glad you're here today to join with us in this series about the Advent and about the coming of Christ, the birth of Jesus. Casey's already led us through two of the messages on uh, hope and peace. And today we're going to dig into uh, the third word that you see up here on the screens, and that is joy. And we're going to talk about joy today and what that means and, and how we find it in Scripture and how God builds that into our lives. And, and we're going to just take a good look at that here today. But before we do that, why don't we pray together? Our Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you, Father, that um, heaven came that Jesus was born, our Savior, our Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you for a Savior who can forgive us and uh, allow us to know what joy truly is. And we're grateful, Father, that one day He will return. And Father, when He does, I'm sure the angels are going to sing again. And so, Father, we're grateful for this song and how it just allows us to see how you've made a plan and you've prepared. And uh, Father, you're now carrying out that plan. So Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the opportunity to be here today. And thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. We pray now you'll bless that and help us to hear what we need to hear and see what we need to see so we can apply that in our lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Many of us know the difference between happiness and joy. Now, many of us know that happiness is always controlled by external circumstances. Uh, things like, you know, um, oh boy, you got a raise. Well, that made you happy, you know. Or, uh, or you know, you had enough uh, saved up that you're able to trade for a newer car, and, and that made you happy. And, and that happiness is controlled by external situations, external circumstances in our lives. Joy never is. Joy is a choice. Joy is something that we choose to have in our lives. Joy is something that only comes when we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. There's a big difference between the two. Now, there are things that make us happy. There are things that make us laugh. I personally, uh, at times, when I'm doing research, I run across things that just make me giggle and chuckle and laugh in my office and that kind of thing. For example, I ran across some old laws that are on the books uh, for various states around our union, and they just made me laugh because they're outdated, but they're still on the books. For example, did you know that in the state of Florida, it's illegal for you to walk your pet alligator on the sidewalk? It's on the books. It's on the books. And did you know that, uh, i got to read this one, in Danville, Pennsylvania, fire hydrants must be checked one hour before all fires occur. <laughs> or in Oklahoma, Oklahoma law requires that drivers involved in fatal accidents, they need to stop immediately and give their names and addresses to those who were struck. Think about it. Fatal. 
Okay, stay with me on this one, okay? In Lakefield, Ontario, legislation permits birds to sing 30 minutes during the day and 15 minutes at night. <laughs> Who's going to legislate that? Who's going to follow up on that one, you know? Uh-oh, that bird's singing too long. It's nighttime, you know? What are you going to do about that, see? Sometimes we just laugh at weird things and things in life, things that happen. But you know there's a real connection, even though they're different, there's a connection between happiness and joy. In recent research done at Harvard University, a Harvard psychologist by the name of Daniel Gilbert, he did research over a long period of time and then wrote articles about it and talked about the emotional life and how human beings are lousy at predicting what will bring us joy. He said in his article, more money? Not really. God? Maybe. Marriage? Definitely. It's hugely important to be happy and to find joy. And out of the five top five things he found in his research as a Harvard psychologist, here are the three that made the top five that I think you need to hear about. Number one is commitment. He said people who commit to relationships are much happier than those who don't. And that's why married people are happier than those who just live together. Number two, he said, is giving. Can you imagine that? That's what gives you real joy is giving. He said a recent study showed that when people were given money to spend, those who spent it on other people were the happiest and the most full of joy. Giving is literally a joy to most human beings. And then the third thing that showed up in the top five, he said it's going to church. He said churchgoers are happier than non-churchgoers, but not for the reasons we expect. Our best indication is that it's not the religion part that makes people happy. It's the going to church part. It's the community part. It's the holding hands and singing. It's the knowing folks who would bring you soup if you got sick, part. Those three will give you joy. Harvard psychologist, how could he be wrong, right? I mean, he, he's done the research. He's followed it for years, and, and he writes about it. At the University of Illinois, recently they did a study, and uh, they found out that Christians are happier and more socially connected than are atheists, at least on Twitter. <coughs> Me, of all people, to talk about this. but <laughs> The study analyzed data from nearly 2 million tweets from more than 16,000 users on the popular social networking site. Christians used more words that conveyed positive emotion and fewer words that conveyed negative emotion than non-believers did. And the study also found out that believers tend to be more connected and talk more about social processes than atheists do. Researchers look for tweets containing words such as love and nice, as well as negative words like hurt and nasty when gathering their results. Overall, the study said, the present research demonstrates a positive relationship between religion and happiness that can be observed in the subtle differences in language use. There you go. The researchers approved it, right? That happiness and joy are connected, but joy comes from that deeper-seated meaning that can only come 
from God. Now, there are things in life that will rob you of your joy. They'll, they'll just steal it from you. There are things that will take it away from you. I put a few on the screen. I want to just read them. Joy robbers are disobedience, fear, regret, guilt, anger, despair, suffering, discontent, doubt, a bad attitude, and overcommitment. Ooh, that fits this time of the year, doesn't it? Overcommitment. Those things will rob you of your joy. But several years ago, Tom Claiborne, preacher over in Ohio, he put out an article where he listed almost a hundred things that you can do to keep joy in your life. Let me just share a few of them. I'm not going to read all 100, but listen very closely. Smile. Remember how good God has been. Watch a sunset or a sunrise. Hold a baby. Seek the Lord's will. Forget your own suffering by helping someone else with his or hers. Laugh. Give of yourself. Take a risk. Quit complaining and pouting. Here's the one I like. Apologize to God. That'll bring joy into your life. Visit a shut-in. Thank someone. Speak the truth in love. Take a walk. Learn something new. Look at your nation's flag and think about what it represents. Talk a while with someone from a different generation. Don't live for tomorrow or yesterday. Live for today. Make a list of qualities and the names of God. Laugh at yourself. Read about heaven. Do your best. Get involved in ministry at your church. Trust in an awesome God. Learn to be still and know that the Lord is God. Tell someone the reason you have hope. Appreciate the simple things of life. Turn off the TV for a week. <clears throat> Don't they know it's basketball season? Okay, maybe you could. Okay. Thank a parent, a child, a teacher, a spouse, an elder, or a preacher. Thank God no matter how he answers your prayer. Love an unlovely person. Submit to God's spirit. Hug someone. Count your blessings. Listen. Think about someone you have trouble dealing with. List some of their good qualities and dwell on those. Compliment someone. Rejoice in the Lord. Make the most of an unpleasant situation. Encourage someone. Pray without ceasing. Keep hope alive. Play a game you enjoyed as a child. Tear down some of society's walls. Destroy some of your own walls. Hmm. And strengthen the walls that need to be standing. Wow. I could preach on that. Do something for someone who cannot return the favor. Forgive someone. And last but not least, remember that God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Now, that's only about half of what Tom wrote into his article. And so today we want to take a good look at what joy really means. Thomas Akempis, an uh, early writer, early philosopher, wrote, If there is joy in the world, surely the man of pure heart possesses it. But I like this one better, coming from Billy Sunday. If you have no joy, there's a leak in your Christianity somewhere. I like that. If you have no joy in your life, there's a leak in your Christianity. 
Now, I don't want you to get views here. God's not saying that he just wants us to grin and bear it in order to get through life and deal with whatever we have to do. That's not what God wants us to do. What God wants us to do is take a look at our future joy, which is heaven and eternal life with him, and then apply those principles to how we live today and to what we do today in our lives. And so we're going to begin by going to the Old Testament today, and we're going to go to the Old Testament and find a verse there that will help us begin our search of joy and begin to define it for ourselves. And we want to go to Psalm 68. And Psalm 68 and verse 3 says this, Now may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Just within that one verse, there are two components that I see there that God's going to use to assemble joy in our lives. Two things that we need to understand in order for us to really have joy the way God wants us to have joy. And here's number one. The two, there's the promise of complete forgiveness. There's a promise of complete forgiveness. You find that also in the book of Psalms. Psalm 65 and verse 3 says, Now when we were overwhelmed by sins, God, you forgave our transgressions. You forgave our transgressions. There's complete forgiveness when you go to the Lord. Now think about this. When you study this out and and the complete forgiveness of God, there is this opportunity for us to know that that, uh, joy can be a feeling. Okay, Joy can be a feeling. And uh, there is joy in a feeling. For example, if you do something really, really good at work, uh, you might have a deep-seated joy about that. Maybe you win some kind of personal victory or, or your team wins a victory. There's real joy in that. That feeling comes into your life. Uh, it might be a, not just a job well done, but it might be advancement in your life and the life of others. There's a feeling that comes when we see that. <clears throat> there's great joy, my friends. There's great joy when you uh, look at others in your family, for example, uh, like your sons or daughters. When they make great accomplishments, they graduate, they, they get a new job, they, they do something significant, they receive an award, man, you're just overjoyed by that. And it, it makes you have that, that deep-seated feeling down in here deep when those kinds of things happen. Recently, um, because I've become a granddad for the first time, Stephen and Kim adopted Tucker, uh, you know, there's no greater joy for me now when I walked into my house, or yesterday, when I walked down to the Angel Breakfast, and Tucker was about 20, 30 yards away, and as I walked down the hall and into the fellowship hall, Tucker left the little game he was playing, and he ran toward me with his arms out, saying, Granddad, Granddad, Granddad. Man, I scooped him up, and the joy that was in my heart was overflowing. I was like the Grinch when it got three times bigger, you know. I mean, it was unbelievable. And, uh, and then he wanted down real quick, and I thought, okay, and I put him down. He grabs my hand and leads me over to where he was playing and says, Granddad, sit. He wanted me to play with him. You see, that deep-seated joy can be seen in a lot of different ways. 
But let me remind you that Scripture teaches us, as God assembles joy in our lives, we have to remember that He not only gives us complete forgiveness, but Hebrews 8 tells us He remembers our sins no more. Man, if that doesn't bring you a deep-seated joy, that God doesn't even remember the sin that you committed once you've asked for forgiveness. He doesn't even recall. You might. You might bring it up again, but He won't. Because he believes that by giving you complete forgiveness, you're going to have that sense of joy that you no longer have to remember. You no longer have to deal with the guilt and the fear and the disappointment and all those things that rob you of your joy. Because God remembers your sin no more. Hang on to that. Joy can be a feeling, but also there's a time when joy is a gift. For example, uh, when uh, we become Christians and we begin to follow the Lord, the Holy Spirit goes to work. And the Holy Spirit begins to work in our lives, and the Holy Spirit, according to Galatians 5 and verse 22, He works on producing fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And when you read that passage, what do you see? Well, it opens up with love, which is the very nature of God. What's the second one? Joy. Joy is number two. And the Holy Spirit gives you the gift of joy, and now you've got to find out how to dig that up and use that in your life. You've got to go beyond the, listen now, you've got to go beyond the externals. You've got to go beyond what the everyday life is going to throw at you. You've got to go beyond all those things that could drag you down and rob you of your joy, and you've got to concentrate on the fruit of the Spirit that allows you to have joy no matter what your circumstances are. Okay? No matter what they are, you're going to have that joy. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. And that, that sense of that gift was also given on that very first Christmas. Right? Do you remember Luke 2? My favorite, my favorite passage this time of the year. Luke 2 Verses 10 and 11, where the Bible says, And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. That will be for all the people, because today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And so, even in that first Christmas, that early Christmas, that gift of joy came. It was a good news of great joy for all the people. Then you know what happened, right? Then, then Jesus had been born, and then the shepherds showed up, and they, they saw the baby Jesus, and they watched as Mary reflected on all these things. And then the shepherds took off, and they shared the good news with everybody they came in contact with. That's what happens when joy settles in. That's what happens when joy <coughs> gets deep into your life, you begin to share that with everyone you come in contact with. Why? Because God gives the promise of complete forgiveness. And that is not just a feeling, that is a gift that comes when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You may have read the story about the guy who on Christmas Eve 
he had been so busy with work and tying things up and getting ready to spend some time off at the end of the year and that kind of thing and do all the holiday stuff and all the different meetings and dinners and everything else. He got to Christmas Eve and got down to 9 o'clock at night and he thought, wow, I've got everything done. I'm ready to go for tomorrow. And all of a sudden he realized he hadn't bought a gift for his wife. Man, for the next hour, he walked back and forth in his house thinking, what, what kind of story can I give her? I mean, she's not going to believe anything when I have nothing to give her the next morning. Well, about 10 o'clock, his teenage daughter comes down the hall. And she says, hey, Dad, what are you going to give Mom for Christmas? And he, man, he just spilled his guts. He just laid it all out there. He just said, man, I forgot. I did that. I was running here and running there. He'd all, and she said, okay, okay, Dad, it's okay. She said, I knew we were busy, so Mom had said something about that bracelet down the jewelry store. So I picked it up last week. It's all wrapped. It's in a box. All you got to do is sign the tag. It's in my room if you want it. Man, was he glad his daughter thought about that. He owed her big time, right? But he was also glad that there was forgiveness that came in the fact that he forgot. And you're going to have that same sense of joy when you know that God is going to completely forgive you of all of your sin. And that's the first piece that God uses to build joy into your life. The second one is simply this. The second one is one where we know that there's a promise of complete, not just forgiveness, but there's the promise of complete future hope. Now think about that, complete future hope. It's about eternal purpose. It's about what you're going to have in your life to have eternal outlook as you go through life. And there's joy in the sense that you, can, you know you're on your way to heaven. I used to have a professor at Bible college, uh, Brother Don DeWelt, and uh, Don DeWelt was a, a happy guy. I mean, every time I saw Brother DeWelt on campus, he had this big smile on his face. And, and every time you'd pass him, if you said, good morning, Brother DeWelt, how are you? If you asked, how are you? He always responded, I'm happy and on my way to heaven, and he'd keep walking. I'm happy and I'm on my way to heaven. What a response. I mean, he knew. He knew the future joy. He knew the eternal purpose. He knew that eternal life was his if he just placed it in Jesus. And that's what we need to know today. You can, you'll never find true joy in your life by seeking it in all the externals of this life. You'll never have true joy in your life if you're only looking at the things of this world. You'll find true joy when you find a relationship with Jesus Christ. When you choose that joy in Him, that gives you eternal purpose. Now, over in the book of Philippians, the Apostle Paul talks about joy in all four chapters. But late in Philippians, the fourth chapter, verses 4 and 11, he tells us this. <clears throat> We're going to throw it on the screen. Philippians 4, there we go, okay. All right. okay. Rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, you need to rejoice. And then he goes down to verse 11, and I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content whatever 
the circumstances. Did you hear that? The Apostle Paul said no matter what's going on in life, no matter what those external circumstances are, no matter what's taking place around you, you can find true joy when you have Jesus in your life. you got to choose joy. It just doesn't come, folks. you got to choose joy. And you have to choose that personal relationship with Jesus. In John, the 14th chapter, and verse 6, the Bible says, Jesus answered the people and said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way. He's the only way to have any hope. He's the only way to have any hope of eternal life. It's Jesus. There's nobody else and no other way. It's only Jesus. And when you choose a relationship with Him, you choose joy. And when you choose a relationship with Him, you choose eternal life. And when you choose a relationship with Jesus, you choose to get beyond all the surface stuff, and you choose to follow Him forever, eternally. There's hope in Jesus Christ. I read a story, it was made up, another preacher had used it in a sermon, and uh, he said, you know, just imagine if you were taking a flight. You got on the plane, you were flying, let's say, from Indianapolis to L.A. And um, about 30 minutes into the flight, the stewardess comes on the uh, intercom and says, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we have a problem. We have an emergency. The pilot of our plane just keeled over and died, apparently, of a heart attack. The co-pilot, seeing that happen, has now passed out. <laughs> and we're on autopilot right now. Does anyone know how to fly a 727? You know. Can you imagine what you'd be thinking? What you wouldn't be thinking about, where's my peanuts? You know, Where's my meal? When am I going to get my soda? You wouldn't be thinking about that. You know why? Because in that moment... You have no hope of landing that plane safely. None. You have no hope of getting that thing on the ground. But then after a few minutes, stewardess comes back on and says this. Good news, ladies and gentlemen. The co-pilot just woke up. He's going to take the reins. Autopilot's off. We're going to land safely at the next available airport. Man. You, your crisis moment's over. You, you'd be relieved of all that. You'd even ask for the peanuts and soda, you know, if they would give it to you. I mean, you're, you're just, you know why? Because you have hope of landing that plane. You have no hope. Listen, you have no hope of getting into heaven unless you choose Jesus. No hope. There's no hope in anybody else or anything else. You have no hope of getting into heaven unless you choose Jesus. And when you choose him, you choose joy. You choose joy. It's like the young man who was in medical school. He was at the top of his class. He was going to be a doctor. He had done everything possible. He had an A in every single course he had taken. And then in one course, as he was sitting there one day, the instructor said, now uh, we want to teach you how to carry out an abortion. 
and the young man was a Christian. He had chosen to follow Jesus. He believed in the sanctity of life. He refused to take the instruction. The instructor dropped his grade to a B, the only B he ever made in medical school. And he was okay with it. Because he chose joy. You may have heard about the young lady dating the good-looking guy. The good-looking guy was, was, you know, really, I mean, the choice of every girl around there. And, and she had finally landed it, and they were dating, and everything was good, and he was saying all the right things and everything else. And all of a sudden, he's giving her pressure to give up her body so he could enjoy it. And she refused. And she broke off the relationship because she was a Christian. And she was okay with it because she chose joy. Or the 10-year-old girl who lived two blocks from the church and she loved going to church, she loved singing, she loved the stories, she loved everything about it, but her parents didn't want to get up and they allowed her to walk the two blocks to go to church on her own, and she was okay with it because she chose joy. Or the woman whose husband checked out. He disconnected. He didn't want to talk. He didn't want to, he didn't want to do anything. He became depressed. He, he was disenchanted, and he just, he just kind of wandered around in life, and and all of her friends said, hey, you deserve better than that. Why don't you just dump him and, and find somebody else? But she was a Christian. And so she chose to go with her husband to a Christian counselor and work on their marriage. And she was okay with that. Because she chose joy. What about you? Do the circumstances of life make you unhappy because you don't get your way or you didn't happen the way you thought it would or right now there's physical problems and the doctors don't know what to do and so that's going to ruin everything in life? Really? If you've chosen Jesus, you've chosen joy. That happiness of the external circumstances, nothing to do with it. You choose joy because you choose Jesus and you choose to follow Him. And you don't give up and you don't conform to the world and you don't, you don't cave in to what the world thinks you should do. In fact, Dave Faust wrote in an article not too long ago, he said, don't conform when it's time to stand apart. Man, I like that. Don't cave in. Don't do what the world wants. You stand apart. You stand with Jesus. And when you choose that, you choose joy. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 16, there are two verses we need to read. Verse 20 says, Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. 
You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. And then verse 24, until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you'll receive, and your joy will be complete. Not your happiness, your joy. Not, not, not your personal preferences, but your joy. Your joy will be complete when you trust Jesus. There's an old camp tune that we used to sing when I'd be out preaching in the church camps during the summers and that kind of thing. And we used to sing this quite a bit. And it's an old song. It says, if you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, then let Jesus come into your heart. Did you hear the words? If you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, then let Jesus come into your heart. He'll give you complete forgiveness, and He'll give you an eternal purpose. And that's how God will assemble joy for you. There's some of you here today who've never chosen Jesus. I don't know why. I don't know why you've never made that decision, but you haven't. And you wonder why you don't have joy in your life. And then there are those of us who have chosen Jesus and then we ignore what He's willing to build into our lives. We wonder why we're frustrated and discontented and fearful and guilty. And You don't choose Him. you got to choose Him. you got to choose joy. you got to make sure that's a part of your life. You gotta let the Holy Spirit work on that and build it into your life and, and do that kind of thing. So, so today, today, you need to make a decision. You gotta choose. You're either gonna follow him and give him your life or not. You gotta make a choice. The choice is up to you. Choose joy. If you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, then let Jesus come into your heart. It's decision time at Chapel Rock. You may want to receive Christ as Savior for the very first time. We'll have people who will help you do that. You may need to pray. We'll have people who will help you pray. You may not know what you want to do. We'll have counselors, leaders in the next step room. You can go there. But it's time. It's time. It's time to choose Jesus. Don't conform when you're called to stand apart. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you, Father, for giving us the um, privilege of choosing. And Father, choice sometimes can be difficult. We battle the emotion. We struggle with what it means. We sometimes, Father, say we want to be happy in life and that 
if you, um, if you, Father, will just give us what we want, we'll be happy. And I know that's not right. Scripture never teaches that. But, Father, I know the Scripture teaches this. When we choose Jesus as our Lord and Savior, then we'll find real joy in our lives. And so, Lord, today, help us as we reflect upon the gift of Jesus, but also upon the emotion that goes with that gift. And help us, Father, to surrender to you so that you will have first place in our lives. We ask this, we pray this, we seek this. In the precious name of Jesus, who is both Lord and Savior. Amen and amen. Why don't you stand? Why don't you sing with us? As we sing, why don't you make a decision to come to Jesus today?